Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Please remember that all of the information in this podcast episode is limited to general information only. That means the information is not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So you should seek the advice of a licensed and trusted financial professional before acting on the information. And before you acquire or apply for a financial product, please read the PDS or product disclosure statement, which should be available on the issuer's website. Lastly, please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. Good to be back for another awesome episode on Super today, Owen. Yep, investigating your super options like Sherlock Holmes. Uh, We are talking about how you can weigh up which option might be right for you. So if you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm a slightly aggressive type of person, maybe I can take more risk with my super. I'm more of a conservative person. I don't like the ups and downs. What option should I take? Or you might be the type of person that says to themselves, I don't really care about super. I just want the lowest cost, no frills option. Which one should is right for me? We're going to try and answer those questions today. So Kate, maybe you should just give us a bit of an intro to the app. And I know there's some tools that people should be aware of as we go through this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought this episode was really relevant after we spoke to Bronwyn, um, aka Miss Moneybox, the other week. And she spoke a lot about the combine, contribute and invest where um, consolidate when you're consolidating your super funds, you're maybe choosing to contribute a bit extra and then invest where you're actually choosing the right investment option for you. And this episode is mostly about that invest part where there's so many options nowadays as more and more money flows into super as part of the super guarantee where everyone's now getting, if you're a full-time employee, you're getting 10% from your employer. And so there's billions of dollars flowing into superannuation. So more and more choice is appearing. So not only do you have your traditional balance fund now, which is what I think most people would be familiar with, but there's options to choose single asset class. So you could choose for your super to be 100% in Australian shares or 100% in cash. Um, There's also ethical super funds popping up, whether that be a specialist provider like Australian Ethical or someone like Host Plus offering a socially aware uh, superannuation option. And the other thing we're going to discuss today is sort of that DIY option that some of the largest super funds are offering you where you can actually pick your own shares and ETFs. It's like a light version of a self-managed super fund almost, and you have a lot more control, but there are some higher fees and some other things to be aware of. So we'll be discussing that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just on that, we've actually got an ethical investing course. It's available on Rask Education. So in addition to our super course, sort out your super, we also have um, our ethical investing course which talks about super with respect to how you can invest according to your, your your principles. So if you care about climate change, you can invest in a positive way. If you care about the burning of fossil fuels, you can choose to avoid those. So you can choose to do that through your super with more options, as Kate said. Um, you can you can use that to your advantage. Uh, it's not just about low fees and how many shares do I have versus how many bonds do I have. It's not that anymore. It, it goes beyond that. And it's a great thing. So everyone listening to this, whether you care about those types of things, whether you care about fees, whether you care about your insurance, you know, plenty of options. So this is a really relevant episode. Um, but this one in particular, what we're going to talk about is actually the investing side of super. Yeah. So if you want to hear about um, insurance, you can go back to our previous episodes. If you want to hear about strategies around behavior and stuff, go to the episode with Miss Moneybox, aka Bronwyn. Uh, if you want to know how to read a PDS, that was the last episode, go and check that out. We did a video that explains it. So Kate, 
risk profile based portfolios. That's the kind of first talking point, which is using your risk, I believe, to kind of select an option. Explain. Yeah. So I thought we'd start here because this is what people are familiar with. It's the typical default portfolio that if you didn't fill in the form and give it to your employer, employer, which which many many of us haven't in the past, you would have been put probably into an industry fund, hopefully, maybe not, but maybe in most cases, a balanced portfolio. And that was, I just pulled out the balance from Australian Super, but that's giving you a mix of Australian shares, international shares, bit of private equity, bit of property, infrastructure, fixed interest and cash. So that's often the standard portfolio they get put into. And you've often got a choice between conservative growth, high growth, um, maybe like a, a fixed interest portfolio, but they're, they're a mix of diversified asset classes and they're very sort of pre-formatted. And often you get placed into a balance and then maybe down the track you choose, hey, I think I want to go into high growth or conservative. And some of the, some of the funds offer what's called a, a life stage or a life cycle kind of super fund, which um, might put everyone in their 20s into a high growth kind of style, but they'll call it the 19 what the 1990s life stage fund or something like that. And that's a similar similar approach there. Yeah, so basically if I could be so crass, I might say that oldies go in the conservative, young youngies go in the growth, middle-aged, midlife crisis people go in the balanced one, halfway in between. That's the life cycle option. That's actually been slowly phased out mm. because – super funds and advisors and investors have realized it's not always one size fits all. So then we went to this model where it was like conservative, defensive, balanced, growth, high growth, et cetera. Um, Most people listening to this because you are educated and you are aware of where your money is, you're going to lean towards that growth option. So, you know, these are like, we're explaining to Monique before, basically this would be like if you go, if you shop online, basically saying to Coles online or Woolies online, just get me the staples and you go and you just, I, I like vegetables. So it gives you the vegetable pack and that's what you get that week. So you just take the options that are given to you in your basket each week. Yeah. So that's what this would be. And this is what most Australians are using. This is the the standard option that's been around the longest and this is the, I, I think this approach is very, very simple for people. It's really easy to understand. You can go on and look at the product page and okay, it might take you a while to get to know the product disclosure statement, which we talked about in our last episode, but you can kind of go through the product page for the balanced or the growth fund and have a look at the asset allocation and go, oh yeah, I kind of understand Australian shares and property. I kind of understand how that portfolio is put together. They're usually very well diversified. Um, even the balanced funds have quite diversified. You get a quite a large mix of asset classes and it's quite easy to monitor. You don't have to make too many decisions. Like if you pick high growth, you can kind of just leave it for a while as long as you've picked a low fee fund and you're really happy with that approach. Yeah, it's not something you have to touch on a regular basis. You don't have to think too deeply about it on a daily, monthly basis. So Australian Super is the biggest super fund in Australia by based on the number of people, but I think also the number or the amount of money that it invests on behalf of. Mm. It's kind of, I feel like that's a great little bit of SEO, like search engine optimization australian super what are people going to be googling australian and super that's the name of our fund and they've just captured so much of the the world in terms of you know who's actually getting into it and within 
Australian super, the balanced option is also extremely popular because it is the easiest thing to choose. Balanced, right? It sounds like it's about right. So you said, yeah, like simple, easy to understand, diversified, make one choice and keep your mitts off it. Um, okay. But you might not want this option to the analogy with like a basket of shopping before. You might not want this option if, for example, you want more control, you like to pick your investments or you have a particular view. So you're like, um, I want to invest in more shares than bonds. The balanced option says I have to have X amount of bonds. I don't think I need that that much. So then you can move on to the next one, which is, okay, an asset-based portfolio. So this is the one that we were just talking about off air, which is kind of, it's, it's not new, but it's it's something that is more prominent now, I would say. You see it at most, more funds, the ability to have that kind of next level of flexibility. Yeah. So with the, the asset class-based portfolios, um, definitely, some of the smaller funds just don't have the capacity to offer that kind of thing. So if you look at one of the newer super funds or some of the more boutique ones, they'll just usually offer those standard uh, risk profile base so that you might just see conservative balanced in growth if it's a smaller super fund. But if we're looking at someone like Australian super, they do have options where you can go and um, put your super 100% in cash or 100% in international shares or 100% in property. And so you can make that decision there that I only want my superannuation invested in this one single asset class. Yeah. So this is something that I did during COVID last year. Um, I moved out of the pre-mixed options from my super fund and I actually went into an allocation that was more aggressive. It was basically 100% shares. So it was a mix between Australian and international shares. And you could just be literally like, if you had a pie, it'd be like slicing it in two and saying, this half's vegetarian, this half's meat. That's basically what I went with. I went, this half is Australian shares, this half is international shares. That's all I want. Can you do that for me? And you might pay a little bit extra, like when you cut a pizza in half, you, you tend to pay a bit extra for the half and half. In the super, you do too. So you pay a little bit more. But once you're in it, it's probably, depending on your situation, it may be more appropriate for you. For me, I was like, to be honest, if I was ever going to invest more in shares, now's probably the time to do it. So that made sense for me. You've got a few things here that you put down in notes, which are great. You might not want want to have like I think it's a to be honest I do think it would be a mistake for most people to be a hundred percent Australian shares but at least if you're going to do shares at least diversified a bit away from just one strategy yeah but you can understand why they don't use asset-based portfolios as that default option because you don't want to just funnel everybody into 100 percent international shares because people um, do have a whole range of circumstances and most people do benefit from a more diversified approach especially as they get closer to retirement having 100 percent in one single asset class is probably not a great idea yeah and i would probably so when we kind of break up what you can invest in typically the big super funds break it up but these are the inter- this is an international share strategy and this is an Australian share strategy. To me, in my mind, they're kind of the same in terms of what you're getting. So you're getting potential, potential growth, but you're also getting more risk. So if you have both of those things, you're getting potential returns, sure, but you're also getting risk. You're getting like lots of risk. That's why in traditional finance theory, um, all the crap that you learn at uni, they say to not do that because if you have, even if they're different things, if they do the same thing at the same time, you're not really spreading your risk. You have kind of the, the same thing just in a different way. So that's why, you know, not many people have this type of strategy. But one of the great finance forefathers, if you like, Harry Markowitz was once asked, because he invented this, he ran, I think it was the Nobel Prize for 
calculating like what a portfolio should have in it. And then one day he was interviewed and I'm going to, I know there was more context to this, but one of the things that he was asked is how do you invest your money? And he goes, well, I think about if stocks fell, I would want more bonds. And if stocks went up, I would want more stocks. So I just ended up doing 50, 50. (laughs) Um, And this is a, such a simple example of, you know, even though we have all these things, sometimes it does pay to keep it simple. So this might be the option for you. But we can even go uh, another step, which we'll get to in a moment. But there's one more thing we want to talk about before we get to DIY super, which can be a risk for some people. So what's the next one, Kate? Yeah. So um, on that asset base, you might choose not to have that because it does lack diversification and you might have to act more actively monitor it. Um, and you are adding risk on top of risk. If you've already cho- chosen like a high risk, like a di- high risk diversified portfolio, as we mentioned in the previous one, choosing 100% international shares even ups that risk level. So that's something if you do go off the off the standard path, you do have to keep that in mind that you're doing something a bit different there, and you're you're potentially increasing the risk level of your super fund. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the next one is an ethical overlay portfolio, and I say that because. I've been looking at lots of the different super funds and they're all calling it slightly different names. They might call it the socially aware approach or the environmental or the socially responsible or the ESG portfolio. So you have to look, most of the large super funds are offering at least one of these options. And then you've got companies like Future Super and Australian Ethical that are offering multiple options that are specifically focused on ethical slash environmental, social governance, ESG style investing. Yeah. And um, th- for many of the listeners, you will know that we actually have that ethical investing course, which I referred to before. And in it, we've done a bunch of videos and ways to think about um, in- investing with an ESG overlay or having a full-blown et- uh, ethical strategy. Um, I'm trying to find the-, the numbers that we had, but it comes from one of the super funds, which was, I think, Future Super, which basically compared the benefits from a carbon emissions perspective of becoming a vegan and actually just investing your super in an ethical the ethical option and you can go back and listen to that podcast that we did around ESG investing but more and more we're seeing this come into investing and I think there are a few reasons one people want the option so super funds are being forced to offer something even if it's not their speciality to say oh yeah we measure carbon emissions and you know we don't invest in things that have human rights violations or whatever there's they might not believe it but at least they they're trying to offer it whereas you get a full-blown ethical funds like say Australian should super or Australian ethical or um, future super or something like that, you might pay a little bit more in certain respects, but you have the full option there. Um, I know Australian super has the socially aware, I believe rest super has an option, host plus all the big ones, they have an option for this. Yeah, there's more and more choices. And I, I think that'll just keep growing. I think some of the large super funds will start offering they could maybe a balanced socially aware and a growth socially aware. So they'll they'll start offering more choices. And it's been interesting even over the last year or so, there's been some interesting court cases where maybe uni students or young people have actually taken their super funds to court because they haven't been thinking about environmental impacts like climate change as part of their investment strategies. So I think it's it's it'll be interesting to watch more of these issues will play a part in the overall investment strategy for super funds. 
and where they're putting the money for the next 40, 50 years because they're managing billions of dollars rather than just oh, all the ethical people that have this point of view can go into this one specific fund. I think it will become um, these issues will be taken more into account in the overall investment mandate for the super funds. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's interesting. I, I think I remember you saying about going them going to court. Um, a lot of these super funds from our research did a half-baked job, to be honest, around their, their, their option. They're kind of like, yeah, it seems like everyone wants to do this thing called ESG or ethical investing. We'll, we'll try and do something there so we don't lose too many members. Uh, and then you ask them to explain why they're invested in some company that's probably not considered ethical by the majority of people and they can't explain it. So um, yeah, I think the the key is here is that you can bolt it on and have it as kind of like an overlay. It's like a, a strategy or you can go with a, a, you know, a dyed in the wool ethical investment company or ethical super that actually deals with this. So one of the things that keep in mind is you might have higher fees. And even if you can select an option, uh, it might not align perfectly. So you might say, well, I don't think coal mining's ethical. And then you see in the ethical strategy, there actually is a company that might do some type of coal mining. Not That's probably an extreme example, but um, you get the idea. It might not be perfect. Your compass and their compass might not line up perfectly. Yeah. And I think that's the same issue as we've spoken with um, different ethical ETFs where they use maybe a filter or they have specific set of rules. And so many companies that might not specifically align with your values do end up in that ETF or super fund just because of they have to sort of set some rules and some filters. So not everything will equal use. So I think possibly if that is the case, maybe the next option we discuss might be of interest. Yeah. And this is DIYing your investment portfolio for super. And so when we say DIY, um, we don't mean that you basically get the money in a brokerage account. That's not what it is. It's mm. like that, but it's not that. Um, this is where you have, um, you know, I've got my Australian Super app actually open right here. And I can say that I want to, it says, get in the driver's seat with our self-managed investment option. So don't confuse that with self-managed Super. It's You are self-managing it, your Super, but it's not the same thing. So this is like the light version of a self-managed Super fund. Yeah, like we're training wheels. Yeah, it's the yeah, training wheels. So you can see here, here's an example from Australian Super. Um, you can invest in any shares, Australian shares that are in the ASX 300. So the top 300 largest shares, meaning that you can't go right down the bottom and buy some speculative thing that you heard from a mate at a barbecue. Yeah, no rest rockets in there. No rockets from our, no, <laughs> yeah, there wouldn't be out from our membership. There wouldn't be any of those in that inside a member direct option. Um, you can buy exchange traded funds. You can buy listed investment companies, which are both of which we've talked about. And you can even put some of your money in term deposits. So it gives you more flexibility. You do pay for it though. So you do pay. But if you, you know, let's say you've got five or 10 years investment experience, you might say, hey, yeah, maybe that's that's a good option for me because I don't want to start a self-managed super fund because I don't want to have to deal with auditors and accountants and financial advisors and the ATO every year. I don't want to file four tax returns for a super fund. I want to just keep it simple, but I also want to differentiate between not owning Commonwealth Bank and owning Westpac or something like that in an investment portfolio. Yeah. What else? Is there anything else to add there? Yeah. You're really, you're trading your own path there within the framework that's set. So you, you can't do anything too crazy because they won't let you invest in any any specky stocks but it does give you a lot more control and flexibility i mean i don't owen and i don't personally use this i think based off the fees i was seeing on some of the sites you would definitely have to have quite a bit in your super to make it worth it so if you've only got 10 or twenty thousand dollars the fees are really going to exceed any value you're going to get from it. But if it's if you've got a larger super balance, you really enjoy investing, you like the active approach, but you just don't want the hassle of 
setting up a self-managed super fund and the fees involved, then it could be an option. But I think it's worth keeping in mind there are those higher fees, as I mentioned, and it also is going to require time and knowledge to manage. If you're just going to pick like a Vanguard ETF in this, you may as well probably be in one of the other options for the lower fees. So um, it does does require a bit more expertise to make it worth those higher fees with this option. Yeah, I just um, I'm showing you on the screen here. Sorry, listeners, you can't see this, but we're I was showing um, Kate and Monique the what you get in the member direct option for Australian Super. We're not advocating for this, by the way. This is just an example. Yeah, I don't use it. It says it provides at no extra cost UBS Research, that's an investment bank, company news and announcements from Morningstar, commentary from investors on Cufflinks, it's a, like a financial news website. I think it's owned by Morningstar now, and ASX data from Morningstar as well. So, and you will need to open a cash transaction account to start investing and fees may apply. And and so that's basically, that's kind of like a good kind of primer of what you get. It's pretty much, it's like a brokerage account, keeping in mind that it's not really a brokerage account, you are pretty limited, but it gives you more control. So, you know, let's say you're a RASC member and you like some of our investment ideas, you might be inclined to maybe buy one of those in your super light option. But I would say just keep in mind that Super is typically not the type of thing you want to muck around with. I and I, And I say that as an investor that, is a professional investor. And I would say to most people, you can afford to have two strategies in your life. You could have one that's just for super. It's like a real low cost. Just let it go. And that's your the core of your portfolio. Just let it grow for 50 years. But then outside of super, that's where you can try and make those tactical decisions with your money around, okay, I don't want to wait till I'm 65. Or I'm going to try and build up some money outside of super in case the rules change. I'm going to take a bit more risk. You know, you can have kind of a hands-off one and one that you're hands-on with. And that works. I know a lot of people that do hands-on for both, but uh, just keep that in mind. You know, we're talking about this option. This is just super. It's serious stuff. So if you're not experienced in investing, it's probably not advisable. Yeah. Horses for courses, as we always say. Oh, yeah. So overall, there are are more options to keep in mind. And I think a lot of people probably haven't heard of possibly that DIY approach or um, some of the others. So that's worth exploring if you are interested in looking at different super options. But I think just some key questions when you're guiding your research to look at, um, firstly, definitely having a look at the new uh, my super comparison tool within the MyGov site. So that's also a good place to find out if, if you've got any lost super accounts floating around, which is always good to find that super because you'll be paying fees on different accounts. Um, and also looking if you're happy where your funds are currently invested um, and if this makes sense for you for the next few decades. Go back, you know, we've, if you haven't listened to the Miss Money Box episode, that's a great place to start. That's fundamentals. We talk about combining, contributing, and then choosing your investments. Then we talked about PDS. So once you've combined everything, okay, now's the decision. Which super fund? Do I still want to stay with this super fund or do I want to go to a new one? How do I do that? You can do that through MyGov, like you said. And then we talk about investing. You, chances are over the next 40 years, you're going to change the investment strategy a few times. That's okay. But just each time make an informed decision. So start with combining, then figure out which super fund you actually want to go with, keeping in mind that you have may have insurance in there and the fees and then think about ways to invest it. So we've got a bunch of links in the show notes. You'll have links to the DIY options of Australian Super, um, just so you can see it as an example, keeping in mind that Host Plus, REST, many of these other funds will provide a similar option. Then you've got we've got links to Australian Ethical as well as our ethical course on investing, which is great, and the Super course. So plenty to go with. Really important topic. Kate, I can't believe we kept it, well, below 30 minutes. It's pretty good for us. Yeah, and I think it's just really important after listening to these three super episodes in the last month or so 
just as long as you do one action to make your super just a little bit better than it was yesterday, whether that's reading through a product disclosure statement for the first time or comparing your super fund on my super or combining a few old super funds, at least doing something is better than nothing when it comes to your super. And like one small action can really change the difference uh, of your retirement. It can mean the difference between having a really basic retirement or maybe being able to travel off to Thailand every year. Mm, Thailand, interesting. Um, not now, but hopefully in 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> Thailand, Vietnam. I like, I like Vietnamese food. Okay, wonderful. Well, Kate, as always, thanks for joining me on this episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au.